the first match of Dead Man's Volley. It caps off our discussion this week on Legendary Adventures as we return to Hyrule Castle in A Link to the Past. Before heading to the castle, Link must first venture deep within the mysterious Lost Woods. The woods differ from the original game in that there's no trick to traveling through them. In this game, the woods are just a maze with a thick fog that slightly obscures the player's view. There are thieves in the woods along with standard enemies, a number of fake master swords, among other things. The player's goal is to get to the northwestern portion of the forest. Within that section of the forest sits a sacred grove. Wildlife runs freely through it, and in the northern end of the grove sits a large stone pedestal with the master sword driven inside. Link awakens his inner King Arthur and pulls the sword from the stone. The Master Sword has a blue blade and deals more damage. It can also shoot a sword beam across the screen if Link's hearts are full. It's a nice nod to the original game, and the sword beam mechanic also makes taking damage more impactful. Players only get access to this ranged attack when their hearts are full. Once the sword is pulled, Link receives two telepathic messages. One from Sahasrila, urging Link to defeat the wizard. The other from Zelda, suggesting soldiers have found her at Sanctuary. Returning to Sanctuary, Link finds the priest mortally wounded. He urges Link to save the princess, then dies. Now it's time for Link to return to the game's first dungeon, Hyrule Castle. This time he can walk straight through the front gate. The castle represents the first of a small number of dungeons across the series which are required to be visited more than once. An argument could be made that this is a third segment of the first dungeon. However, it could just as easily be viewed as a separate dungeon altogether, it's just in the same location. The goal is at the top of the tower, which is accessed through the second floor. A magical barrier blocks entrance to the tower. This prevented players from entering it on their first visit at the start of the game. The barrier is destroyed with a single hit from the Master Sword. The tower is a gauntlet of enemies and challenges. There are no puzzles to solve. When Link runs into a locked door, the key will be found in the very same room he's in. This tighter, more straightforward design is likely intended to reflect the more urgent story beats. Zelda's been recaptured and Link is rushing not only to save her, but to face Aghanim. The castle tower may not be a complex dungeon, but it's not simply a series of fights. Much of the tower is presented in darkness with players having to defeat enemies and locate keys while not being able to see much. One particularly large room represents a navigation challenge in the form of a maze. The maze room is dark, but torches can be lit to reveal the room, allowing players to better figure out the maze. But as with previous areas, the torches will burn out after a short period of time. On the seventh floor, Link confronts Aghanim. The Dark Wizard is just finishing a dark ceremony which causes Zelda to disappear right before Link's eyes. He then passes through some curtains at the back of the room. Link slashes the curtains away, revealing a door. This is also the introduction of a small mechanic that will reappear later. Players will occasionally have to cut away obstructions on the wall to reveal a path forward. It's a clever and simple introduction here. The fight with Aghanim introduces another reoccurring Zelda mechanic, the Dead Man's Volley. This will become a staple of the Zelda series. Multiple games feature this mechanic where players have to hit an enemy's attack back at them in order to deal damage. It won't officially be named Dead Man's Volley until Phantom Hourglass, but we'll see it repeated several times before then. Aghanim has three attacks, two of which can be batted away by Link's sword. The first is a cluster of small blue fireballs which break apart and fly in multiple directions when hit. 
A large fireball can be hit back in the dead man's volley to deal damage to Aghanim. In fact, hitting him with this magic is the only way to damage him. Aghanim's third attack is a lightning attack. He will only do this one when positioned at the top of the screen. It packs a big punch and will remove many hearts. After being hit by a few of his own fireballs, Aghanim will prevent his own defeat by sending Link into the Dark World. The world fades out, then back in, and suddenly Link is standing atop a pyramid. This is the end of the first act of the game, and the start of the second and final act. The second act is much larger, with players ultimately having to conquer eight more dungeons to rescue the maidens captured by Aghanim. Each maiden is trapped within a crystal. To rescue them all, Link will have to travel between the Light World and the Dark World. As mentioned, the Dark World is similar to, but not an exact mere image of the Light World. They do, however, start with some similarities with Link traveling to the Dark World equivalent of the Eastern Palace called the Palace of Darkness. That's next week on Legendary Adventures. If you'd like to follow along, please subscribe, leave a like, or share this podcast with another Zelda fan. You can play A Link to the Past on Nintendo Switch SNES Online with a subscription. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.